Um, so this evening, I'd like to share some reflections around the the theme of impermanence. Um, conditions haven't been extraordinarily supportive of preparing a talk this week, so we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully, just some usefulness for you in your practice in just touching on this great theme, this aspect of of our experience that when we uh, come into direct contact with that, when we know it really intimately and directly, you know, that has a profound effect, a liberating effect. So we we probably all know that and had experiences different times in different ways of it feels to me like uh, moments of encounter with the you could say the fact or the truth of change that's happening, you know, constantly, so many different levels that we manage to not be in touch with a lot of the time. And it's, um, I, f- I, I find this quite uh, an interesting thing to kind of rem- remember or just appreciate the sense of the misperception or the the not wanting to see or be in tune with this aspect of experience and just the amount of of compassion and patience and inquiry that it can take to to both make perhaps the more spontaneous insights certainly if I look back on my practice there were some moments of real you know there's kind of real significant waking up to something um, quite a shocking sort of way but in a way that yeah that really waking up the mind to that and then kind of going to sleep with it again (laughs) just floating along until the next you know hey or the way that the, the practice can sort of deepen and mature at times into this very uh, kind of this this realm where it's almost like change, change, the changing nature of everything becomes, you know, the most predominant aspect of of experience. Right. So it's a kind of interesting in our lives and on retreat how 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 this perception is sometimes you know very available and other times. You know, not things can feel so solid and so sort of relatively unchanging. Yeah. So there's ways we can inquire in, into that. And the kind of I was thinking today about how um, how this shows up in the way we think about ourselves and other people. You know, on retreat or in our lives, how helpful it is to 
really intentionally bring into the field, into the awareness, a sense of this being, you know, if we're referring to ourself or another, this being is changing, you know, in, in ways that I, I can't understand or see or, you know, that possibility, that sense of, you know, how often we're looking at people and get very fixed ideas about who they are, how they are, you know, all kinds of things. And and what a beautiful arena of our lives that is to bring in this sense of the way in Nietzsche, you know, that sense of the changing nature of things. If we bring that into the field of relationship, it's like it opens up so much possibility for, I don't know, just... Um, things to shift and perceptions and understandings to kind of to unfold and um, maybe some of our fixed ideas about ourselves or that person or the relationship can just be uh, allowed to change allowed to um, yeah and, and I think that can be yeah kind of another way I suppose we we're training ourselves to be steady in in order to be present with change. Now that's kind of all the different ways that we find that challenging. So in retreat, we have an opportunity, and I guess, yeah, when taking a talk like this, it, it can, um, you know, lifting it out as a specific theme or cultivation but also how I really encourage, encourage all of us to feel or listen out for some of the teachings and suggestions. And it's almost like how that can be resonant with and supportive of our practice, our experience, because we're all doing different practice here somewhat. So how, how might this theme kind of speak to you and support you in uh, what's, what's happening what's happening for you here and what kind of practice you're doing how can that be how can that be folded in so I want to share a few different teachings from different teachers Um, this one is from Ayakima he said it is useful to remind ourselves in every waking moment that body feelings, perceptions, mental formations and consciousness have no core substance, are all impermanent, changing from moment to moment. If we remain aware of the impermanence that exists, our difficulties seem far less important. So that's something for us to check out, isn't it? It's kind of to see for ourselves, like when we intentionally bring that reflection in, in whatever way, in our practice, in our relationships, or in our predicaments, does, does that bear out? Like when we can see and be in touch with that uh, insubstantial changing nature. Like I'm, I'm very aware that I'm moving my hands a lot, which some of you know I kind of do and I sort of think it's like a 
there's almost the movement like I'm expressing some sense of impermanence in the way I'm like it feels like this I'm making a sort of almost like a infinity shape with my hands and and that sense of um, the voice speaking and maybe for you in the hearing I always feel like speaking is such a good kind of opportunity to tune into Anicca this amazing thing that's happening isn't it where the sound is coming out (laughs) there's some meaning that's happening in the being received the ideas and it's all I mean how ephemeral is this isn't it it's so ephemeral I love that word I remember many many years ago I was involved in theatre probably part of the arm waving sort of lineage um, and that part of what I loved about it was the ephemerality you know you would go and you would put your heart and soul into this whatever it was and it would just happen and it would be over and then there'd be at some point you know take all the set apart and then there'd be nothing there and the beauty of that the beauty of that and something I guess maybe my pre-Buddhist sensibility kind of that real interest in being in touch with uh, ephemerality which maybe is one of my favourite sort of words to use for uh, anicca change, impermanence so to see um how sometimes maybe there can be this sense of moving, dancing with life in a graceful way you know that we are are in tune with changing mind states mind states and moods and you know all the phenomena that go on and sometimes we're just not <laughs> it's all clunky and there's resistance and I'm okay with that bit but god I wish that bit wasn't happening in that way and changing in that way and and so maybe sometimes it's a bit more complex than yeah here I am hanging out with impermanence and it's all you know like that and yeah mm-hmm. and then you know suddenly something happens that we really are not able to dance with it gets very clumsy or clunky and there's the resistance and whatever it might be the fear or and then what's the practice then when this is so important when we feel our resistance and i don't want or holding on you know this wonderful image of rope burn was kind of painful image but you know not just that feeling of kind of really grasping and the thing is being pulled away from you but somehow there's still this holding on and it's not something we're necessarily choosing to do like we might say rationally also i know things aren't solid i know everything's changing but the emotional or the the sort of deeply patterns sort of patterns of yeah but i want and you know i want it to keep this and you know all of all of that so i feel like in contemplating impermanence 
there can be a lot of kind of emotional territory to cross as we encounter the resistances and I don't want to know and I like want this, this is okay for this to be impermanent but not that, <laughs> this kind of thing. The, the compassion, the compassion with this sort of clunky, you know, kind of not very so graceful, sort of, you know, not with impermanence. I can almost feel sometimes that that's part of sometimes the way I understand the Buddha and the Buddha image. It's like part of what that expresses to me is this complete, you know, yeah, just mm, a Nietzsche. I don't know, that's sometimes I like to, depending on what talk theme I'm exploring, <laughs> I look and I see it's all there, you know. I know that's, just, that's kind of helpful somehow, like how much is present and embodied and known and, and expressed in, a, in an awakened mind, as I imagine it. Or, you know, how, how, how we can take inspiration of seeing perhaps people, beings, teachers, friends, whoever, who we just have a sense of them being able to flow with things, you know, in a way perhaps we find more difficult. We can kind of be inspired and encouraged by them. You know, so with Kalyanamitta, spiritual friendship, there's so many ways, isn't it, that we can, so we can do that with impermanence. We can support each other. Uh, in this in this kind of mm, coming to terms with something and the difficulty around that and also to taste the real joy of it. Like I don't know if you have this experience. I was talking to a friend earlier today and actually, I guess maybe because I've had this theme on my mind, I felt like the conversation actually allowed more of a sense of attunement to to change, to a sort of allowing, allowing things to shift and change and somehow feeling that that's more possible because there's this relational sort of field, there's more a sense of us together, we, you know, something, um, it's not just me stuck with my whatevers that don't change. <laughs> Just that sense again, maybe of talking and listening, and then there's a certain sort of way that that movement and change is come somehow maybe allowed, or is just more. There's more room for that to be perceived. So um, another quote I love, and this theme is from Tsongkhapa Chamyong Kinsei. If one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. And if one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking. Therefore one lives fully. Mm. Just that sense of, I pick up from that, of this quality of living with that awareness, with that knowing, with that quality, you know, really present, really really known. It's like how it how it undermines the grasping. 
and I, I had an experience of this quite a long time ago on retreat, but one of those moments of insight that you remember where, you know, just sitting and walking and following the breathing and so for several weeks. And then having, you know, these things are kind of hard to describe, but like a very, very strong sense of Anicca as a, the first part, the first way it manifested was uh, the goneness of a walk I'd been on. That just, you know, like, <laughs> that walk has completely gone. Like all of the steps, they felt so real and it was really happening and there was a real walk that really happened and it's really gone <laughs> it's really gone where the heck is it yeah there was this kind of like those insight moments that when you say it, it sounds so like duh, duh, you know over here you know and I already know that um, and then there was this and actually it happened a few times and and the the next sort of insight was this insight around dukkha and grasping was this sense of when we're really, when that, when that is really apparent, there's this sense of, well, well there's, there's nowhere here to form a basis for dukkha. Where, where are you going to put that? There's nowhere to put it. There's nowhere. like, oh. And then, you know, some grasping. Oh, they could put some dukkha on there. Yeah. Oh, now I feel, yeah, I know where I am now. <laughs> you know, so that sense of the, like, groundlessness of that can feel really, you know, unnerving. And then I think there's a practice that I, I learned from Rob Babea, who some of you know or know of, that we don't just have to wait for the, you know, dying kind of moments. We can experience those, but we can also prime the mind for those. And then we can also, by consciously, intentionally turning our minds towards the experience of a nature, we help to embed or kind of, what's another word, embed implant that understanding sort of more in our bones in our in our being where we can just again at times perhaps you just you know noticing a nature just spending a sit or a walk or a day just tuning into that and just seeing just again I, I like practicing in this kind of open way where you prime the intention and you might have a very simple note like nature or ephemeral or and then you just sort of pop that in and sort of see what see what emerges see what kind of is known and it might be yeah on lots of different levels very very subtle or kind of much much more you know gross or obvious right and it's all kind of then this, um, well, I think it's a kind of mindfulness practice. I think it's mindfulness of impermanence. And on that note, I, uh, 
was looking in the Satipatthana Sutta because I thought, you know, this is really part of our mindfulness practice in the Satipatthana refrain, which is for every single, you know, kind of mindfulness exercise recommended by the Buddha. What does it say? It says, I've kind of made it slightly more concise. So the practitioner dwells contemplating in phenomena. So read anything. Their nature of arising or their nature of vanishing or in their nature of both arising and vanishing. So wonderful, so suggestion for practice of whether it's with the body or Vedana, as we were doing this morning, or some other aspect of experience. I think thoughts is a good one. Seeing their changingness. And so, for example, the arising, kind of tuning your interest to notice the arising, the beginning, like the beginning of a word, the beginning of a breath, the beginning of a gesture, right? It's like really tuning just to the arising quality, um, yeah, or the ending, <laughs> like the ending of an out-breath, isn't there? There's a kind of the ending and there's a kind of space and the tuning to the fading of phenomena the way it, yeah so we can do that distinctly or as the Buddha says like the arising and the vanishing the sense of in a way at some level there's this appearing disappearing happening simultaneously you know sort of together something is that's arising is already passing it's that sort of a sense of being able to kind of sense both the rising and falling, the, the appearing and disappearing, the beginning and ending. And because I'm, I'm speaking, I'm kind of feeling it as I'm speaking. The beginning and ending of a phrase, the whole kind of something's arising, so I'm saying something, something's happening, and then I've kind of finished that sentence. And this is, uh, again, inwardly, I think is, yeah, just as you you all well know, just something we can highlight at times. And so it can't, I can't, I don't think I can get through a talk on impermanence without mentioning the five daily recollections, (laughs) which is... um, I, I could easily do a whole talk on this, but I, I just thought I would kind of do part of a talk on it and try not to go on about it too much. But, um, let's see. This is a practice I I do actually not all the time, but I pick it up from time to time and do it for period of time and then then always feel the benefit of it 
in the text, it's like the Buddha recommend, recommends these reflections to be frequent. And perhaps this is the level of change and impermanence that involves our, you know, our mortality and the mortality of, of all creatures, you know, all sentient creatures and all life. And um, I find this such a, it's like it's such a, a powerful practice can really brings for me up a lot of compassion and um, the sort of relief of aligning with the truth of something that again when you contemplate it more as you know me and my body and I'm going to die and I'll ah, this or with someone we love or like how these contemplations help to to tune us to be able to not not just bear it but for it to be you know a heavenly messenger like it's in the buddhist tradition you know the sense of the waking up if we if we tune into our mortality this sort of fact that the fact of of aging of sickness of death and that if we are again bringing that into our momentary sense of practice and experience it has this enlivening you know it's like here we are we don't know how long we've got it's so fragile it's so precious you know that we can use it as a source of samvega or spiritual urgency Hopefully with, yeah, I mean, there's a lot here I'm probably going to skip through more than I would like, but I hope it could be, it can be helpful um, that, again, we can take up as a specific practice to help to support our, our sense of the fleetingness of, of life and the, you know what? What's what do I want to do, or not do, or attune attune with, or let go of? Given that, given that truth, hmm. I think I think this is a teaching that just I I always, whenever I come back to it, always feel like it's getting to the heart of the matter. I have various versions of it. I'm not going to inflict them all on you, but I find it fascinating because again, different voices, different expressions of the same wisdom can 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 reach the mind. So the same, isn't it, with any teaching or some sort of translation that has to happen where we hear the words and the concepts but there has to be a kind of a translation into the language of the heart otherwise it just stays as a sort of you know I don't know idea theory Mm -hmm. so how does it translate and I've talked about this before I when I first went into these 
into these teachings, I, I kind of immersed myself in it for, I think it was about three months. And I spent a long time kind of feeling like I was banging my head against the wall or banging something against, you know, like sort of hitting yourself with a wet fish, something like that. Like, come on. You know, it just wasn't happening. Nothing as much was happening. I was just well, I'm sure there's something in this, but I really, I'm really not sure what it is. And when I first came to the Forest Refuge in 2005, these, these were on the board. I thought, should we start putting them back on the board? Anyway, we haven't, yes. <laughs> so it said, so I come into the Forest Refuge for a two-week work retreat. It's like, you know how you read the board and then ignore it? the rest of your life or something but just like yeah okay right 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 um so i I, saw i read i am of the nature to grow old i am of the nature to get ill i am of the nature to die all that is dear to me will change and vanish i am the owner of my karma and I just read that, and I thought, what the heck? You know, I just walked off. I just, somehow, in different sensibilities. I'm glad I came back to it, because it's just become such a powerful teacher, and I've learned that that this way of, yeah, this a confronting, very direct, um, that I'm readier to hear now, I think, than I was then. And um, I will put this on the board because I, I translated it for myself into words that made it feel more, uh, you could say, accessible, that sort of highlights the sense of this being a teaching of compassion, that the teachings on impermanence and mortality are uh, deeply, deeply compassionate practices or teachings as well as teachings of of wisdom and that that sense of it being kindly meant and deeply for my benefit you could say that for me I think opened the whole thing up so that it could become a live kind of a living reflection that actually you know could have some effect so This is what I came up with. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is aging. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember that loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So, there may be different versions of this teaching that you come across 
and perhaps you'll make your own translations in that spirit of bringing it home, you know, finding what, what speaks to the heart or what can the heart hear because that's where the practice really, really comes alive, isn't it? And actually makes a difference and can um, bring healing and liberation where it's uh, yeah it's it's not just ideas it's something felt a felt meaning of it the a perception is kind of received that that resonates yeah that's we can sense at least to the extent that we can that, that the truth of that and the wisdom of that and the compassion of that Um, what am I doing? Right. Mm. I have to include a, a poem in every talk. It's one of my dogmas. I'm like, well, a Dharma teacher dogma. Got to throw a poem in there. It's not a proper talk. And that actually is partly, is, again, as a point, another point on this sense of different modes of expression maybe speak more clearly to some than others, right? So some of us, sometimes the poetry is really what helps a meaning to get through and and, and for others it's perhaps different. It's more the clear, logical kind of laying out of the mm, dynamic or the structure of something's... uh, the way it functions that really so again I have a lot of respect for that different temperaments so this is Wendell Berry the law that marries all things the cloud is free only to go with the wind the rain is free only in falling the water is free only in its gathering together in its downward courses, in its rising into the air, in law is rest. If you love the law, if you enter singing into it as water in its descent. The cloud is free only to go with the wind. The rain is free only in falling. The water is free only in its gathering together, in its downward courses, in its rising into the air. In law is rest. If you love the law, if you enter singing into it as water in its descent. So maybe just leaving that there for you to um, just yeah just know that that five daily recollections practice is there for you to draw on if if it if it's ever interesting or helpful 
And just for the a last couple of things for the t- for the for this talk, um, coming back to a sense of um, the the seeing, the sensing, the direct knowing of a nature being a vehicle for relinquishment, for the letting go of a sense of self, of me, of mine, all of all of that owning and identifying with experience and I want to just bring this this sort of imagery of a river and I think Mark, Mark mentioned so he said he mentioned a river earlier in the week so hopefully this chimes in a bit with with that so that's another way of practicing maybe that uses imagery which again for some of us is, is really helpful so we might sense more like um, we're sitting by the river, watching. Right. So that's one sort of modality that we, you know, that sort of settled back, observing the flow, the changing elements of the river. And I imagine the Buddha sitting by rivers. I imagine that that's something he did kind of seems to make sense of things that come up in the suttas and think just the life and the, the, the environment he was moving around in and um, some of the images which it, it come into um, another piece of teaching I want to share are like the um, rupa body is like a blob of foam um, floating along a river. Have you ever seen a blob of foam on on a stream or a river? I really recommend. And I, I there's a stream near here along the street, and I remember I was looking into that sutta and those images for the different aspects of experience, and I was like, "Oh, there's a lump of foam! Look, it's it's like it wasn't just making it up." And there was this little blob of foam, this all brown, with lots of little bubbles all stuck together, sort of floating down, and little bu- bubbles bursting, but the thing held together, and it got some, and then it kind of went, <laughs> just like, oh, the little lump of foam broke up, you know. And I, I, I think that that is such a beautiful image of impermanence, because there's something there, it's there for a while, and you know, it's like yeah, a little lump of foam, and it sort of bits fall off. Which as you get older, you know, the bits fall off, and and then eventually it just goes, you know, and something just dissolving back into the water, or the uh, the bubble, which is the image for Vedana. It's like a bubble forming, and if you if you use it as well, you watch a rain falling in a puddle or something and you you see the bubble forming and then kind of lasting for a while and then popping um, and it's like these beautiful ways in which the Buddha used these images from nature I just sometimes feel like that I helps me connect with him like I'm looking at the stream the way he well not the way but anyway you know what I mean. <laughs> There's the foam. 
feel connected with the Buddha. Yeah. Um, so we can also, the image of the river entering into, so we enter the river, and there's more this sense of maybe being in the flow. We're more Im- it's more immersive, it's more, you could say, physical or like tangible. It's not something we're sort of separate from and observing, but it's something we're, we're kind of in, feel the push, and we're experiencing... Um, flow of that being you know different ways that image could develop being washed away or being washed by or you know anyway so and then the other the the other Im- the, the next part of the image is dissolving into the river you could say becoming the river I, I like that part So impermanence, this kind of sense of different ways of opening to that. And hopefully, yeah, for some people, these images are very, very helpful. Um, So I'd like to close with a chant, um, a bit of a chant, straight song. It's from the Diamond Sutra, which is the... So I understand it, the Mahayana kind of version of the images I was just mentioning, the the bubble on a stream comes into this. So there's the the link with the early suttas and these later kind of uh, teachings, the same the same wisdom. And I hope I can remember this. <laughs> singing it a bit this afternoon but yeah it's um it was it, i learned it from Catherine mcgee so for those of you who know her um thanks thanks and uh respect to her and uh so maybe just sing that for a little bit and uh really i encourage you to feel entirely free to not join in you know, really, it's fine. If I'm the only one singing it, it's totally fine. I always feel that's so important that you feel that you're really choosing to, to, to join in if that feels okay for you. Um, it's, yeah, pretty simple. So we'll just sing it and I'll, I'll repeat it so you can join in if you want. Maybe another, we can see singing or chanting as another really wonderful way of practicing really a real way of tuning into the dharma and different different aspects of that okay oh you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom or a dream Oh, you should see this fleeting world Like a dewdrop 
a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer storm, a phantom or a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom or a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom or a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom or a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom or a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom or a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom or a dream. Just one, one more. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom or a dream.
So thank you for your attention and your practice.